Relationships are like engines. You gotta know how they work so you can give them the right kind of attention to keep them running smoothly. Or else... Well, you know. And you gotta know how you're made so you can put the right things into those relationships so they won't break down. Our desires, our likes, we need to surrender all of that over to God. After all, that's how we're made. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. You were made to love. And today, Robert Quintana breaks down piece by piece the elements that make you that way and gives you the tools to help you restore love the way it was made to be as he shares part two of How It's Made. Have you noticed how the love in marriages is growing cold? As you look around, and and maybe you're experiencing this yourself, have you noticed how the love within marriages and the love within families is growing cold? Could there be a connection? Could there be a connection between living a life of rebellion that says, I want what I want, I want to do what I want to do, I want what I'm going to get out of this relationship versus living a life within the context of marriage or family, a life that says, I want to surrender. I want to surrender to my spouse. I want to surrender to my parents. I want to surrender to my children. Could there be a connection? I want to share with you um, something kind of interesting that, that I found. I think it's quite cute. And this here says, how does a typical husband respond when his wife comes down with the cold? So in the first year of marriage, honey, I'm really worried about you. You've got a bad sniffle and there's no telling about these things with all the terrible viruses that are going around these days. I'm taking you to the hospital, dear, where I have reserved a private room for you. I know the food's lousy, so I'll be bringing your meals from Rosani's and I've already made all the arrangements with the floor superintendent. That was the first year of marriage. The second year of marriage, it sounds a little more like this. Listen, darling, I don't know. I don't like the sound of that cough. And I've called the doctor to rush right over. Now you go to bed and I'll take care of everything. Third year. Maybe you'd better lie down. Um, honey, nothing like a little rest when you're feeling lousy. I'll bring you something. Um, do we have any canned soup? Fourth year. Now look, dear, be sensible. After you feed the kids, do the dishes and mop the floor, you'd, you'd better get some rest. Fifth year, why don't you take a couple of aspirin? Sixth year, if you just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal all night. Seventh year of marriage, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing. What are you trying to do? Give me pneumonia? Have you noticed how the love within marriages is growing cold? Maybe you're experiencing this too. Maybe you've been married seven years and and you're to the point now where you just, you know, grab some aspirin. You're not feeling that bad. You might feel as though today's message doesn't apply to you, but it does. Because every single one of us is affected by marriage one way or the other. Whether our parents, whether our parents divorce, 
whether you're young and looking forward to marriage, we're all affected by this subject. And today I want to speak to you very honestly and very openly about what I believe is the secret to allowing marriages to thrive, allowing marriages to grow in love, not grow in coldness. And so I want to share with you a very controversial, a highly debated passage in Scripture. One that carries so much baggage because of the way that it has been misused, misunderstood, taken out of context for so long that I guarantee that there will be some people here today that as soon as I read that verse, you will roll your eyes at me and you will say, oh no, he didn't. And that is the reason why. I spent as much time as I did last time we were together talking about surrender. Because as we read this passage, it is very easy for us to get caught up in the semantics, get caught up in the details, and miss the underlining principle that Paul is trying to teach us here. I'd like for you to turn to your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 Some of you already know where I'm going. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And it reads, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I see some already shaking their heads. (laughs) I see some of you rolling your eyes. I see some of you saying, Pastor, you better make good sense of this passage if you expect me to come back. I get it. I don't even like this passage when you just read it. I mean, honestly, when I first read that, I thought to myself, I don't want my wife submitting to me. I don't even like the sound of that. You know, even now when, when I think of the word submit, I think I don't want Heather submitting to me. That, that's just way too much responsibility. And I'm not sure that I want that, that Heather submitting to me. But I got to tell you that as I read this verse and the verses that followed and, and I, I was starting to understand things in the context of surrender, it started to make a whole lot more sense. Before we go on and read verse 22 and on, you need to understand the context that's being spoken here. I, I honestly do believe that, that um, the publisher here did a, a huge disfavor in putting a break here between verse 21 and 22 because really it's a continuation of what's going on in the beginning of the chapter, chapter 5, and really at the end of chapter 4. We're not going to go through all of that real quick, but if you look at chapter 5, verse 1, there's going to be a heading, and that heading is going to say, walk in love. In verse 8, there's another heading. It says, walk in light. In verse 15, there's another heading, walk in wisdom. And the way it's divided up seems like all of these are disconnected. They're just messages, you know, separate messages. But they're not really. It all is tied in together. And when you read it from start to finish, the underlining theme of it all is, guess what? Surrender. It's what it's all about. 
And so here, Paul is speaking and he is saying, listen, you need to surrender. You need to walk in love and you read that and it's all about surrendering. You need to walk in light. And when you read about it, it's all about surrender. You need to walk in wisdom. You need to surrender your own thoughts and whatever you think is smart. And you need to surrender to the will of God. So over and over again, this theme keeps on popping up that we need to surrender our wants, our desires, our likes. We need to surrender all of that over to God. After all, That's how we're made. We were created to live a life of surrender. You might remember last time we were together, I shared with you this concept that that we surrender in our relationship with God. He surrenders to us, we surrender to him. As he gives to me, I give back to him. And there is this relationship of constant surrender that is taking place. That is the way God created us to thrive. And so now you read through this and it's all about surrender. And then you get to verse 21. Listen to verse 21. It says, submitting or surrendering to one another in the fear of God. And so now that verse sets the stage for everything else that follows. Before that, he's been setting, he's been telling us, he's been building his case. He's been saying, listen, we need to be living a life of surrender. We need to be walking in love. We need to be, we need to be walking in the light. We need to be walking in wisdom. And so he's, he's setting the stage. He's setting it all up and he's saying, we need to be living a life of surrender. And then verse 21, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Notice no gender. There, there's no social economic status pointed out here. He just gives this blanket statement that says, we need to submit to one another. Now we've talked a lot about that in times past, how we can submit and we can surrender and we can serve one another in the community and family. But really right here, he's laying it out for us. He says, listen, you need to live a life of surrender, surrendering to everyone around you. Now listen, that can get kind of tricky and that can get kind of ugly. I understand that. Because we live in a fallen world, a sinful world. And there are some relationships that we're in currently that if we try and live out that life of surrender, guess what? We will find ourselves being taken advantage of. We will find ourselves in an abusive relationship. That is not what God is calling for here. We need to be very careful about that. Now, as we read through these passages, please let the word surrender be the soundtrack playing in the back of your mind. Because a lot of what we're going to read in today's day and age just carries negative connotations. But you need to understand that when Paul wrote this, he was not talking about abuse. He was not talking about taking advantage of people. He was not talking about um, any kind of uh, psychological um, abuse or, or mental abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse. He wasn't talking about any of those things. He's simply talking about living a life of surrender in the context of marriage. Okay, so now verse 22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, if you replace the word submit with surrender, all of a sudden it kind of softens the blow a little bit, right? 
well, I can kind of understand surrender a little bit more than submit. And when you look at the Greek word there for submit, it actually sounds more like surrender than how we normally interpret the word submit, right? And one commentator that I was reading, one commentary, it said that this word rarely refers to absolute obedience, It is more of a coming together of. It is more of a, I am surrendering over to you my likes, my desires, my wants. I am surrendering over to you. So it kind of, it kind of brings it to life and it makes it real for us. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is a subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Again, think of the word surrender. This is what Paul is calling for here. He's addressing the wives and he is saying, listen, all I'm asking for you is to live a life of surrender first to God, which he covered in the first part of this chapter, first to God, and now in the context of marriage, surrender to your husband. Surrender to your, practice living a life of surrender in the context of your marriage, in the context of your husband. Now, listen to this, verse 25, again, with the word surrender as the soundtrack to these passages here. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and what? Gave himself to her. her. What's the underlying theme here? Surrender. There it is again. He's using different words, different terminology, but the basic bottom line is that he is calling for us to live a life of surrender first to God And now as we read these passages, secondly, to our spouses. Listen to how he goes on here in verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let me ask you guys a question. What did Christ surrender in order to accomplish a blameless, spotless church? What did Christ have to surrender in order for his church to have a chance at holiness and righteousness if it wasn't everything? You see, when you look at the life of Christ, he is modeling exactly what Paul is saying here. When you look at Christ, his his earthly life, you see him first surrendering to God in everything, right? In everything. To you be the glory, God. God, what is it that you would have me do today? God, where would you want me to go today? But then when we see him interacting with one another, we see him first surrendering to God, but then we see him surrendering what? To everyone around him. As he gave of his time, as he gave of his energy, as he gave of his resources, as he gave everything over to humanity, he surrendered it all for the purpose of bringing them into a loving relationship once again with God. 
And so we see Jesus practicing this. And now Paul uses this as an example and says, in your marriages, wives, submit to your husbands. In your marriages, husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands just like Christ submitted. Husbands, I need you to submit to your wives just like Christ submitted himself to the church. You ask yourself, what did Christ go through to accomplish that? The Bible says that he was obedient even unto death. In other words, he surrendered everything. Everything he surrendered to the church. And now we're being reminded that in the context of marriage, this is how it ought to be. Verse 28, it says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. I talk about this many times, about how when couples come to me and, and there's a troubled marriage and there, you can tell that there's so much history and, and there's so much anger, there's so much resentment. One of the common things that I hear time and time again is they're not meeting my needs. And I hear her say, he's not meeting my needs. He's not doing this and he's not doing that. And and, and he doesn't spend enough time with me and he doesn't do this and on and on and on. And then when I give time for him to speak, it's the same thing. Well, you know, she doesn't do this and and she denies me that. And and it just goes on and on. And and I'm not going to do this until she does that. And and I, I say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Time out. Time out here. Have you guys ever thought about what you need to do to make the other person happy? Oh, no, 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 no. There's a long ways we need to go before we get to that. Well, time out. Give me a second. Because when, when God outlines his will for marriage, it is one of surrendering of oneself to the other. And I tell them, Listen, as long as your number one priority in life is to make your spouse happy, guess what? You will find yourself in a relationship that's on an upward spiral. But as long as you guys are approaching this selfishly, trying to determine what am I getting out of this relationship, you will find yourself in a relationship in a downward spiral. And we have to fight it. It's a tendency within all of us That we want to get, get, get. We want to receive, receive, receive. And it is so hard for us to surrender. Jesus on the cross says, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Let me surrender. And here in this passages, we are being reminded by Paul that in order to have a relationship that thrives and keeps Christ at the center of it, we must live a life of surrender. First to God and then to each other. We need to live a life of surrender. Now it says here in verse 33, in verse 32, I love this. I I love when, when the Bible writers are honest, you know. He says, this is a great mystery. (laughs) I don't know how it works. 
It goes against my very nature. You know, because when I feel attacked, my natural response is to attack back. It's a great mystery, but it works. I, I don't understand how it works, but it works. And when I'm living a life of surrender, my relationships flourish. My marriage flourishes. It works. And she said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And now I love verse 33, because now I, I believe he, he starts talking about the psychology of, of what we go through. In verse 33, he says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife. And then it says, as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, this is a really interesting verse. I I love this verse because here I think Paul is all of a sudden going from like theology, like the way that we need to be living life. And and he kind of shifts a little bit and talks about psychology, words that make sense to us, words that that we that resonate with us. And, And so let me try and explain this a little bit further. Notice that he the plea for the ladies is that you respect your husband, and the plea to the man is that he love his wife. Interesting choice of words, right? I mean, why didn't, why didn't he just say, listen, you need to love each other, right? Wives, love your husbands. Husband, love your wives. Instead, he, he throws in this new word, respect. You know, I think back to my father. And the one thing that would tee him off more than anything. I mean, this would get him really, really going, right? Is when he felt that he was being disrespected. Any guy here feel what I'm saying? All right. We don't like to be disrespected. Not at work, not on the basketball court. All right. We do not like to be disrespected. Not at home, not by our children, not by anyone. But here's the problem, men, that when we feel disrespected, we use all the wrong tools to try and garner back that respect. So when we get disrespected, we use things like anger, curse words, throwing things, slamming doors, Walking away, not listening, because I have been disrespected and I am the man of this household. But but, but listen, we're using the wrong words here. We're using the wrong tools to gain back that respect because this is how it works, okay? When you feel disrespected, if you respond by surrendering and showing unconditional love, regardless of how you're being treated, if you show unconditional love, that will produce the respect that you're looking for. Because when, we, when we're when we disrespected, our natural response is to, to fight back and, and get mad and get upset, and, and I am going to be disrespected no matter what. Listen, the secret is in this text. If you want to be respected in your household, you need to surrender and you need to love unconditionally. Guess what? The same is true on the other side. When a woman feels unloved, the natural response is to be disrespectful. 
And certainly when we look at the life of Christ, we see him modeling what it means to surrender first to God, second to one another. The stage has been set. He said it in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen, my challenge to all of us here today, especially those who are in a marriage relationship and your marriage, you might feel as though it's to the point of no return. You feel as though it's gone too far. Listen, there is still hope if you are here today, if you're listening to my words, if you're still together, there is hope. The answer comes in letting go of self and surrendering. When you begin to surrender to one another, you will find your relationship flourishing. When you find yourself surrendering your will and respecting husbands unconditionally, when you find yourself surrendering your will and and loving unconditionally your wife, you will find yourself living in a life of surrender you will find yourself in the kind of marriage that Christ intended from the very beginning. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. You have to have the attitude that says, I am not going to give up. I am going to press on. Just like Paul says, I have run the race with endurance. There are times when you feel like giving up in your spiritual walk. But next week, Robert Quintana takes you back when you first fell in love with Jesus and his message, Reclaiming Your First Love. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.